listening to First Chapters, a podcast from Grey Cat Books, with your hosts, Engineer Mike and Nina McNamara. Ever wanted to know if the first few pages of a book were good enough to continue reading? Will a book be engaging enough, or will it bore you to death? Then keep listening. The plot thickens. This is First Chapters with Engineer Mike and Nina McNamara, where we look at the first chapter or first chapters of a book and decide whether it is worth continuing. That is right. That is what the podcast is about. Yeah. See, I just did the intro for you. Thank you. What, because what? you were you not know, prepared. You weren't doing it for me. You did it as well because this is an egalitarian podcast. This is. And you are just. Please as... don't use the word egalitarian <laughs> in my presence ever again. Do you not are, insult me. This is an equal opportunity podcast. You are. You just, just took the word egalitarian <laughs> and deconstructed it. I don't appreciate that at all. You should appreciate that. I wasn't. I don't. An, I wasn't an English major. How can I deconstruct anything? Obviously, you Ooh. wouldn't have used the word. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> podcast over. Yep. The, the end. <laughs> Final episode. We're only three in. Yeah. And already, we can't have an entire season of podcasts. How, uh, how was your writer's retreat? Uh, I felt you non-writer. Of, how I was felt, your non-writer's writer's retreat? I felt retreat? out of place, and I wish I had a, had a writer with me there. Yeah, I wish I'd had a writer, you know, who who needed a retreat. Now I did do a lot of uh, writing-related things. Yeah, I did a lot of book proofreading, so it was very writer-focused what I did. Well, good. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't do too much writing over the weekend, <laughs> which I should have done. I did more book-related things. I know. Well, it was your birthday. It was my... You're allowed to take a day off. Don't tell people. Yes, it was my birthday. Your birthday. You turned 28. What's the fucking deal? (laughs) Big whoop. I know. I turned 28 for the 11th time. Um... (laughs) I still look 28. I am very proud of myself. Ageless beauty. Thank you. Engineer Mike does not look so ageless. You too can look ageless if you work out all the time and take care of your skin and don't smoke and don't drink to excess and have great genes. It's extremely easy. Hate the sun. Hate the sun. Hate the sun. Rebuke the sun. Rebuke the sun. Uh, (laughs) Did you, are you denying the sun? I deny the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Make of that what you will. (laughs) My fellow satanic witches. So what book are we doing today? All right. Today we are doing a book from my collection called The City in the Middle of the Night. This is an interesting title. Uh, Who's the author? The author is Carly Jane Anders. Carly Jane Anders, who I am familiar with. Yeah, who Nina was more familiar with than I was, even though I had read this book. Mm -hmm. But the book came highly recommended by a reviewer I trusted about two years ago. It won the Locus Award. In 2020, what's the Locus? Uh, the Lo- Locus Award is one of the big three or four science fiction related awards. You know, there's the Nebula, the Hugo, okay. the Locus Award, and the Arthur C. Clarke Award. Two major ones, in my opinion, are the the Hugo and the Nebula Award. Yeah. But there's also the Locus Award and the Arthur C. Clarke Award, which uh, are well spoken of as well. I was about Locus. to say it's like the Golden Globes, where yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like the less prestigious mm, one where everyone for, gets drunk and pre- everyone pays for it. it. Was nominated for the Hugo Award. It didn't win. Uh, another book we may do, we will do in this podcast, a memory called Empire by another queer woman author, Arcady Martine. We'll do that book later on. It, it won the Hugo Award that year. The City in the Middle of the Night was just nominated that year. Mm-hmm. Now, The City in the Middle of the Night also won the Locus Award. That was one of the other awards I was telling you about, mm-hmm. which I'm like, I don't, I really don't want to get into it too much, but unlike the other awards, which are determined by a, a learned group of people who like them or not, Pick a selection of books. It's peer review. And you know, they, 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 through a process, decide which ones will be voted upon, and then a group of people will vote on them. 
Okay. The Locus Award is, is determined by fan like votes. Oh, and okay. it's, it's, it's like the People's it's, Choice. Award. It's like the People's Choice. It's like sure. way more democratic. When you're dealing with issues of democracy, sometimes not the best choice wins. What were the other books? The book that won the Hugo Award that year, A Memory Called Empire, wasn't even nominated for the Locus Awards that year. Mm-hmm. Which usually you can cross shop all the big awards mm-hmm. for that year, and the same kind of nominees will be nominated. Whoever chooses the nominees for the Locus Award didn't even nominate that one for that year. Already, the Locus Awards are kind of suspect to me. Um, but Charlie Jane Anders, we'll talk about the title in just a second because mm-hmm. don't let me. Which I, I constantly want to call this book "The City on the Edge of Tomorrow." <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that was in the name of a Star Trek episode. So I constantly. I'm calling this book The City on the Edge of Tomorrow. And I keep wanting to call it either The City and the City, which is a China Mieville book. <laughs> the China Mieville book, which, which we may do on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, I would love to do that. <laughs> but Charlie Jane Anders was the co-founder of io9. Wow. A science fiction blog that got you know devoured by Gawker Media, which is now Gizmodo Media. By the way, I guess I should disclose this. I used to intern for those, Gawker those are the professional Media things back you have to in do. the day. Yeah, in 2010, 2011, I can't remember. It was only for two months. 2011. 2011? Yeah. Ugh, okay. I'm not going to talk about that on this podcast, but I do have to disclose. But I was very familiar with her writing, at least her nonfiction, the things that she used to write about on that blog. And when you mm. said, yes, yeah, she's got a novel out, I mm-hmm. was extremely interested. I had no idea that she had brand off into novel writing. I know that she left the blog after, you know, the whole, after the blog was dismantled. Yeah, I think it was 2016, I think I read. She left yeah. IO9, which... Was uh, that when it was? I believe so. I was looking that up beforehand. It's right as soon as she won a, their Hugo or Nebula for a novelette in 2016, mm-hmm. right after leaving IO9. So I guess it was good that yeah. she left IO9. A great career choice. Good honestly. for her. Good. It, it, get that back. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then she she wrote this book in, I believe it was 2019 or 2020. And that's why it won the, the Locus Award that it did in 2020. I hadn't read anything by her beforehand. And whether or not I will read anything by her again, we'll get to later on. But uh, <laughs> that's kind of the backstory for the book and the author. So I gave this book to you. Mm-hmm. I read it two years ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of the first chapter or part or how much of it you read? So this is what I read. And then I'll give you my opinion of it. So I started off with the translator's note. It starts off with the translator's note and then it starts, I guess it's part one, Sophie's point of view mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. I think it is. I read that far. I think it was divided into three or four chapters or mm-hmm. like mini sections. Okay. It's kind of setting up the world. Yeah. It's telling about her life, her, and a little bit of backstory about the book. The mm-hmm. book takes place in a setting on a planet where there is what's called a Terminator line that everybody lives in. The Terminator of a planet is the line right before day and night. Earth has one of these, yeah. but it's constantly going around the planet as mm-hmm. the Earth moves. You know, well... On, te- on this planet, I think it's... It, this planet is called January, and it's referred to as the Temperate Zone. Yeah, see, it's what's called a tidally locked planet. Mm-hmm. where unlike the way the Earth spins on its axis, uh, creating day and night as it goes around the sun, uh, a tidally locked planet does not spin on its axis. Mm-hmm. The, the same face of it always faces the sun as it goes around the so sun. So it's kind of like our moon. Basic, Exactly. It's like our moon going around ah, our planet. All right. there, I, that's feel, exactly I feel that, so smart right that now is that exactly, I knew that. That is exactly all how right, it works. There yeah. we go. And when a planet is doing this to the sun, basically one half of it becomes baked. The other becomes 
basically like absolute zero nearly, yeah. just completely frozen. And then right on the line between those two zones, between the hot zone and the cold zone, there's like they say a temperate zone mm -hmm. where liquid water can form, where people can live, people can breathe, that kind of thing. And living in that kind of space, there would never be a day, there would never be a night, there would never be any change in the way the sky looked really at all. You would kind of be living in a a weird, timeless kind of environment, which I believe the first chapter of this book kind of shows, or the first part, like you read, mm -hmm. I think it shows really well. Yeah. The, the kind of obsession that the people in this book have with measuring some sort of time to kind of get control over an environment which like, has none. Timefulness is mentioned. There you go. This, yeah, it's a in big, the first section. It's a very big part of their world is people's schedules and people's time because the land, the environment they live in has none of that. So there, it's a kind of a way of taking control of your life because all that around you is just without form. I kind of liked that part. Of it. Let me give you my thoughts. With the exception of the translator's note, mm -hmm. I absolutely love this. Interesting. Yeah, the yeah. translator's note is very pretentious. I, I it, wasn't, it wasn't just that it was pretentious. Like, I read it. Let me read you my notes. Sure. Uh, I, what sort of teenage creative writing project am yeah, I being yeah, subjected yeah. to? Yeah. Let me read you the first sure. part of it real quick. Oh, yeah, please do, the way it starts. This manuscript has been translated from the original... Zeosfonti, I think the name of the city is called Zeosfont or something, mm -hmm. and Argelian into Peak English, which as, and I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this jumble of yeah, consonants here, yeah. points out reference 2327.288 has become the language which everyone reads, but nobody speaks across several words in space notes. I mean, seriously, I read this, I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Like... <sighs> It's pretentious. It, it's pretentious, yeah. but it's also very defensive. To me, it seems like the author is preparing for the reader to not get it. It's like she's saying, this is how I'm explaining any small plot contrivances on an yeah. alien planet for the sake you, of storytelling. You know what's interesting? Having read a tremendous amount of science fiction novels, I took that beginning little translator's note a completely different way. It wasn't an explanation to a reader who wasn't going to get it. It was like a little bit of color. This is a common thread in many, many, many science fiction novels. It's, it's why I like them. You don't get it. You're reading the book. It's an utterly alien world. And this kind mm -hmm. of opening translator note for me sets that setting for me. It's like, this is all nonsense. None of it makes sense. And that's exactly what I'm looking for when I'm picking up a science fiction See, book. that's the difference between readers who read mm -hmm. and writers who read. I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, that is the sign of an author who is world building first and then writing characters second. That was mm -hmm. the my initial thoughts going in. I was like, I don't like this translator's note. Mm -hmm. This is unnecessary. It's like, it's like the beginning of the movie Dune or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. we, we talked about, I think we talked about that on... Oh, on, I don't know if we have, but we will. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about it on Pop Medieval, I'm sure. I think maybe, we did talk. Maybe we did. Maybe, I don't know. I'm conflating multiple know. podcasts. I'm on yeah. so many podcasts, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I read that and I'm like, what am I getting into? Mm -hmm. I'm already not on oh, a good Oh God, book. another one of these books. <laughs> and then I started reading the first yeah. chapter uh -huh. and I was like, I really like this. I Good. like the prose. Good. The prose is the complete opposite of mm -hmm. the translator's note. It's unpretentious mm -hmm. yes. and it flows beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. The dialogue is natural. 
the descriptions are not purple. No, and no, it's very matter of fact. Yeah, in, yeah, and despite it being on an alien planet, even though she was using kind of silly names mm-hmm. for like the city yeah. and um, the planet and the like, it didn't distract me. Hmm. I kept wanting to read more yeah. and more and get oh, to know good. the characters. Good. And then she started with the characters mm-hmm. and my expectations of this being a world building yeah. book yeah. versus a story, like yeah. a, a character building book, yeah. they were completely reversed. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. It's not a world building book. Later on, when I when I talk mm-hmm. about the rest of the book that you haven't read, uh, I'll, I'll describe some of that. So I'm continuing to read and it does exactly what I want it to do, which is you can figure out the conflict, the plot and piece together who the characters, the protagonist are in the first part, in the first chapter section, whatever it is that I read. Mm -hmm. So you've got these two girls. The first section is from Sophie's point of view because it says Sophie. Mm -hmm. Um, So Sophie's narrating and Mm -hmm. she has a roommate named Bianca. (laughs) They're roommates as in, oh my God, they were roommates. In this (laughs) school, Mm -hmm. which I think is called the gymnasium. We are to understand that there are a lot of rules. There's a lockdown, mm-hmm. past a, you know, there's a curfew, and there's a silent period where mm-hmm. they're not even allowed to talk. It, it is a world of rules. Yeah. Rules upon rules upon rules. And mm-hmm. and there's implied punishment, too. Yes, yes. And we don't know what that is until we get to the end of the chapter, which mm-hmm. I'll get to in just a second. And then Sophie herself, again, Sophie's the one who's narrating. She's got a lot of insecurity about her place at the school. Mm-hmm. She describes herself as an interloper, but she's worked hard to get there, according to Bianca. Sophie's also a bit of a prude, too. You know, she refers to her period as her visitor. That, that could just be the language they have yet in this world. Thing. She yeah. blushes when she talks about it, and then Bianca's like, what are you talking about, your period? Oh, okay, yeah. I see what you mean. To me, I'm always careful to, to separate someone being prudish from someone truly uninformed about what's going on. There is a difference. I didn't get yeah. that she was uninformed. She knew what was going on. She was just uncomfortable mm-hmm. talking about, you know, her biological mm-hmm. function. And then we have Bianca, who seems like the opposite, who she has some sort of social status. She's always dressing up in these fancy ball gowns and she's going off to banquets or parties. But there's a, she's there's a class divide. There's in definitely this yeah. a class divide. Mm-hmm. We learn that Sophie is from the dark side. She's not mm-hmm. from the temperate zone. Yeah. She's from the dark side. Of, the side kind of on this Terminator zone, the side kind yeah. of a little closer to the cold side of the planet. Yeah, which we yeah. are to interpret is the like lower class. Yeah. It's like the down river. It's the bottom of the mountain. You know, it's like the rich people live at the top of the mm-hmm. river. Uh, sorry, a little, little bit up river. So we also learn that Sophie has mm-hmm. a bit of a crush on Bianca. Mm-hmm. That's where I really started to like this book. I could see that part might uh, appeal to you. This but. very much so. Yeah. So let's let's talk about representations of queer love ah, yes. in literature vis-a-vis this book. Mm-hmm. Bianca, who at first was kind of dismissive of this guy Matthew, mm-hmm. she was saying, "Eh, he's he's dumb and he doesn't answer questions quickly, but he's got some great legs." And then, like a day later, she's sleeping with him, mm-hmm. and it absolutely. Cr- crushes Sophie and I felt so seen but also so attacked there because I mean I I know what that feels like to have feelings for someone Mm -hmm. and then 
want to know why are you with this boy why do you like this boy when you could be hanging out with me Mm -hmm. and not understanding that i saw that i read that and i was almost moved to tears like oh my god i want to keep reading i'm glad you liked that part yeah because i can tell you that's most of the rest of the book just her fawning over i I mean exactly that fawning like I guess we can talk about the the rest of the book at that point. So that that's the first part of the book. Can I read some of that? Oh yeah, please do. It's please really do. good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let me, let I, me find like, it. Yeah, please do. I loved I loved part one of this book. I loved it. You know, you loved it because of the great character building. Mm-hmm. I loved it actually. You know, even though it's not a world building book, I loved the world that was created in this book. I mm-hmm. loved this society which was completely different from ours which lived in this strange world without day and night, and because of that had created all these customs and rules to try to impose not quite a binary on citizens who lived in a analog, in a, I guess you'd call it an analog world, you know? Like with no, with no day or night, with no morning mm-hmm. and evening. I love the world that was created. Whether this is science fiction or romance or just regular genre fiction, this is written so well. Mm-hmm. This is the sentence I highlighted because I was almost crying afterward. It's, oh. everybody says it's normal for girls my age to have intense friendships with other girls, which might even feel like something else. Some childish echo of real adult love and courtship. But you'll know when it's time to abandon this foolishness, the same way you know when to eat and sleep. I close my eyes and imagine that when I open them again, I will have outgrown all of my feelings. Like, Jesus oh, no, Christ. I, I, I agree. And I there was some sections. Usually when I'm reading any book, I highlight mm-hmm. stuff too. There were, some, there were some passages and sentences in the first part of this book that, the same thing. They yeah. just, they hit you. Yeah. They hit you hard. The way they're written, the longing. Mm-hmm. That longing. And I hope you like that longing because like yeah. I said... The entire rest of the book is just more of this. And yeah. trust me, it, it eventually it gets old. Uh, okay, well, here's the thing. Yeah. So let me finish up the rest of the chapter. All right. So we're to understand that Bianca and Sophie, again, Sophie is the one that's narrating. Mm-hmm. They are revolutionaries of some kind. Mm. They meet with uh, the Progressive Students Union, which is the a student, great name. The Students Liberation Front. The super- <laughs> <laughs> They're a liberation front of some sort. Yes. Which is, I inferred that to mean that they are against these rules. I was thinking this sort of thing. This, Yeah, they're down with this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, they're against this sort of thing. I am so tired. Down with this sort of thing. <laughs> they don't like the rules. They don't like the fascism that's going on. So they're, they're meeting in secret. At one point, this is kind of sad. Sophie is trying to summon the courage to speak out because she sees that Bianca is with this Matthew guy. And she wants to impress Bianca by just speaking up. And let me just read this too, because this is also very, very close to home. She says, maybe if I can speak in front of the group for once, Bianca will pay attention to me again. She'll realize Matthew has nothing interesting to say. And she was right about him the first time. The first time being, you know, he's a loser, but he's got gray legs. I open my mouth to make some joke that I know won't be funny. And I ignore the hot prickle that I always get under my skin when I try to talk to strangers or to more than one person at a time. This shouldn't be so hard, I tell myself. You can tell one more joke. Damn, that Mm. hurts. Yeah. Anyway, so she's getting ready to speak and the police suddenly break down the the meeting. They accuse the group of stealing money from the bursary or in American English, the treasury. Mm -hmm. Sophie takes the fall for Mm. Bianca. And that's being part of the lower class. Mm -hmm. It's either she's forced into taking the fall or she just naturally kind of falls into that place 
almost through her own choice because she's like, this is what happens to people like me, so I might as well roll with it. She's sentenced to some quite harsh punishment. She's not even sentenced. Oh. She's just taken outside. And Mm -hmm. yeah, because she thinks she's going to court. She's going to go through the justice system. Yeah. And they don't even do that. They just take her outside. Into the cold side of the planet. Into the cold side of the planet. And I think they kick her off this this mountain. It's terrifying. Oh, and talk about they've kind of... They all have this belief that on the cold side of the planet, there are monsters. And it, it's one of those things like an old map saying, you know, there are be monsters. It's like right. nobody goes there. It's like 400 degrees below zero. You can't survive there. So they don't know what's there. Mm-hmm. So it's a stark, terrifying moment in the book where they take yeah. her to the edge of the city. And kick... she's she's pleading and she's yeah, screaming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's pleading, stop. And they just kick her yeah. off. This, They're laughing know, at yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. Horrible. It's very, very moving. They kick her off into the cold side of the planet. And that's that. That's a really good short story to me. Yeah. And then at the very end, she is attacked by a monster. Yeah. And she and like worst thing for it, she's going to die anyway. And like you say, then she's actually attacked by one of the monsters. Mm-hmm. It is just a hard hitting, hard hitting first part of a book. Yeah. And that is where I stopped. Mm -hmm. And so if you were going to ask me one of the questions. Sure. So my question is, well, I I can ask you both questions. Sure, go ahead. My first question is, did this first part of the book hook you? Yes. I I agree. So yes. When I read it, it hooked me too. I was like, whoa, this book came highly recommended. And up to this point, it's delivering. I like, you Mm -hmm. know, and then would you read more? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And the reason being is because of not just the prose, but because I am genuinely interested mm-hmm. in the world. I am too. And the romance aside, yeah. I do want to see good representations of queer people in that's, literature. That's great. And I wish, in my opinion, this was a good representation of queer people because... You and know, that saddens me. To, to get into the rest of the book that I can explain now. And I won't... Because it looks like you may want to read more of this, mm-hmm. I will explain how I feel about the book and some of the stuff that happens, but I will not actually spoil anything in this book. Okay. Not in my opinion that there's anything to spoil. Because okay. past this point, which I believe was a really well-written short story, that my own kind of narrative that I've created to explain things like this, that perhaps someone wrote a very good short story, shopped it around, somebody read it and was like, wow, give me a whole novel based on that, and they wrote a novel... Mm-hmm. But there was nothing else to write. Mm-hmm. So past this point, in my opinion, nothing happens. And what part of the, what like that part of the book that you got to the end where she's cast the city? Can you see in in your ebook reader what percentage of the book you're through at that point? It's like ah, oh, only five percent. Yeah, exactly. You're you're five percent of the way through the book. That's it. Yes. How long is this book? It's quite over six hundred pages. It's over six hundred pages. So five, you're five percent of the way through the book. The next ninety percent of the book, nothing happens. Nothing. I mean... Like, not even the Let me say, the two main... Basically, the two main characters, eventually, like I said, I won't spoil too much. The two main characters get out of the city. Yeah. Alive. uh, And kind of go to a, let's call it a a foil of this city. Mm -hmm. It's it's a more free city where they can be whoever they want to be. And if you're loving the romance part of it, you're like, holy shit, they're going to the freewheeling fun city. We're about to see this romance bloom. No exact same will they won't they bullshit for 90 percent of the rest of the fucking book mm, which is ex- exactly this hook that it hooks you in after five percent nothing happens for the rest of the goddamn book it so... blows me away i don't 
get it. I'd actually love if you do continue reading the book because I've got a couple I of questions. I feel like I'm missing something. Sure. But here's let, let me ask one sure. question okay. first. Is it because there's something standing in their way? Is it just like No. They get to this free city. There is nothing standing in their way anymore. So nothing societal, nothing like nope. um so Bianca is just not into it's her un- at all. Because that, that could very much be the case. I think it's more Sophie never tells Bianca how she feels. And I mean I get continuing I mean, that on okay. for another twenty, thirty percent of the book, but I mean unless I'm misremembering how this book goes. It's at the end of the book, and she still hasn't told the girl how she feels. And like, um, I, I can get a short story like that because it's super realistic, but a 650-page novel by, like, page 500, and like I've said before so, in the podcast, I always read a book all the way through even if I don't like it. By page 500 of this book, I'm, like, telling Sophie, shouting at the page, fucking get on with it. Just get on with it. You, you got to be careful here when dealing with themes of pre-romantic fiction. You've got to be careful dealing with those types of questions and and those type of themes when dealing with queer romance because in the case of heterosexual relationships and romance it's it's much easier it's much easier for okay a man to tell a woman how he feels this this, that's our world you're describing this is not our world the book is not our world it doesn't have our social our social values in the place where they go see that's are there other queer people in this i do believe there are yes i do believe especially the city they go to the freewheeling city that like i say you read five percent of the book five percent of the book is in this oppressive place nearly the entire rest of the book is in the freewheeling place nothing happens i'm like yeah. I'm, I'm only defending the book because i i have not oh, read no, no, no. it so i will defend the book too the first five percent is beautiful it is beautiful. And please, would you like to read more? I'm probably going to continue reading please as far as do. I can until that yes. either frustrates me or... P- please do. Because you know okay. you know me. If you know me as a person, I don't mind being wrong. If I'm wrong about something and I learn something new, to me, that's the scientific part of my mind, is like, wow, great. I just learned something. I was actually just listening to another one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Star Talk, recently. And it was yeah, where they, yeah. they have Neil deGrasse Tyson and yeah, Ch- Chuck Nice's comedian friend, who actually has learned a lot about science throughout the years of their podcast and they were trying to explain a guest the guest was kind of surprised why neil degrasse tyson he had been found out wrong about something and he was like why are you so happy about being wrong and chuck knights had to explain to the guest like look what i've learned about scientists is scientists don't want to do their experiment and it turn out exactly as they expected they want to do their experiment and the results to be what the hell is that that's what a scientist wants that's what i want i want to have missed something about this book and then you read it, point it out to me and go, here, this thing right here, this actually means this. Okay. And, this means, and I want to go, you're right, Eureka, I missed that. So That's what, what we'll I want. do is I will read further. Sure. And like in a couple of months, we'll have a follow-up podcast. Maybe, maybe it's like an addendum to another episode or something like yes. that. I would love to do that. Yeah. And uh, we will revisit the city in the middle of the night. I almost yes. called it. What did you almost call it? I called it, was it The City of God? What is it? <laughs> City of God, which is okay. another movie, I believe. So, yeah, the title, I, I will say this about the book, I hate the title. The title is bad. Like, I don't, I yeah. don't like books with vague titles. Titles need to be specific. There was this thing, this article I read a number of years ago about how books about women are never... Like, the titles are never about women. They're always, like, oh. the the man's wife. Like, the astronaut's wife. Interesting. Or the so-and-so's girlfriend. Or uh-huh. the woman next door. Like, they never are about 
the woman, even if the book themselves, the subject the matter is about... The sister of the traveling pants. Is that a book? Yes, but I yeah. think you're kind of... You know, that, that's that's not a really good example. But it's about but you're pants, getting, not a woman. No, it's about a sisterhood of... Uh, oh, you're right, you know. a sisterhood. I thought yeah. it was about pants. I've no. never read the book. You're missing the point I'm trying to make. The title is always trying to distract from the point that it's about women. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. No, I get that. Because they're trying to make it less feminine. Yeah, and this right here, this title about the city in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. it's it's trying to be a little bit too grandiose. It's trying to distract you from its subject matter as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but it's also trying to lure you in with this the city in the middle of the night. It, it's not working. Mm. So I, oh. I don't like the title. I don't like the translator's note, but I liked what I read. Oh no, I loved I loved that part too. If the entire story had just been that first five percent of the book and it had been a short story and I had to give it a review, I would give it six out of five stars. This beginning of this book hooked me so hard and was so engaging, I was like, whoa. I'm in for <laughs> I'm in for a fun ride with this book. And then by about 75% of the way through this long book, I'm for the first time wanting to stop reading a book. And I yeah. rare, I don't know how many books I've tried to read in my life and have not finished, but I'm pretty sure the number is zero. And yeah. this this was going to be my first one. That's incredible. It's I'm... that, to me, I'm not yeah. saying it's bad. I'm not the final judge of this book, but to me, it was that bad. It's. I'm just going to laugh if this turns out to be the one book that I like That'll be fine. More. I'll, I'll be perfectly fine with that. I, I, yeah. I would like to hear, because I'm sure if you read it and you're like, this blew me away. I would love to hear why, because it's it's clearly something I may have missed. Gauntlet thrown down. Sure. I picked it up. Gotta be something I missed if there's something there. I don't think it's because of there's weird themes in the book. For God's sakes, I've read 900 pages of Through the Valley we of the, get the Spiders yes, by Samuel R. Delaney. That's which, men fucking men. That's not... There's a woman or two in it. Great. <laughs> there's like two women in it. I think. There might be a woman in it. I think. I don't know. Yeah, I... <laughs> Something like that, I would be surprised if you missed it. I mean, that would stand out to me. Like, if in all these in dicks the being sucked, there's there a, was woman. a woman. Okay, then, yeah, there was a woman. But I don't know if she was on the page or just referred to in passing. That's the thing. <laughs> Again. So, yeah, so there we go. That was The City in the Middle of the Night, uh, first part by Charlie Jane Anders, uh, the first 5% of the book. It's an odd one. It's an odd one mm. that the first chapter, in my opinion, and, and Nina's opinion, is, is great. Uh, Nina has not read the rest of the book, but probably will. I have and hated it, which is rare for me. So uh, I would love, uh, Nina's going to read the rest of it and we're going to revisit it later. We are. Let's do this challenge. Gauntlet thrown out. Can we please pick another book that is not science fiction for yes, our next Yes, our episode? next book will not be science fiction. Now for the record, I was going to pick a non-science fiction book this week, but we actually picked this one. It's just the spirit moved me. Next episode will definitely not be a science fiction novel. Thank you. Will most likely be fantasy though, which is not, which is completely different from science fiction. Oh yes, it's backwards instead of fours. Yes. Great. <laughs> or we could just go straight to Infinite Jest. No. If you want to tackle Infinite no. Jest, we can do Infinite Jest. No. I got some thoughts. <laughs> no. My thoughts are no. All right. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to First Chapters, a podcast from Grey Cat Books. Your hosts were Nina McNamara and Engineer Mike. Our music was provided by Alex Productions and Virtua Jams. Check out our website at graycatbooks.com for links to our credits. Thanks again for listening. All right. Um, all right. <laughs> yeah.
you have no idea what you're going to say about this I, book. Do you? I don't, I don't, I don't write notes. You know, that I just kind of make it up as I go. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody knows what they're doing. That's not We're true. all just kind of spinning through the void, man. How's and, that uh, worked out for you? It's worked out great, actually. <laughs> I don't know. There have been many times where that has not worked out well for you. And there's, there's been many times where it's worked out great. Thank you.